Blog Talk Radio. This is Colin from Cannot Justify. You're rocking Attitude Era Live with Icon, Granny Hawkster, and Big Swing. time tonight as always i'm going to be hanging out with my friends as soon as my friends arrive waiting of course for the director scott hand himself and the modern nightmare matthias will be joining us here i do believe shortly if not sooner anyway let's uh kind of get everybody up going on what's going on tonight uh we have three exciting guests uh going back to our roots i guess you could say uh we do have uh Former WWE Women's Champion Mandy Rose. We also have the game show biographer and historian Adam Needif. And we also have from Glow Girls herself, Holly Wood. So uh, that's what you got coming up tonight. And uh, as everybody knows, it's better when I have three wheels and I'm waiting for everybody to call in and uh, get to the studio and all this stuff. And uh, until then, we'll just uh, continue on with with what we're doing. And uh, usually at this time, I'm going to go ahead and tell everybody what uh, I've been up to. Uh, As everybody knows, the uh, Super Bowl is coming up this weekend, so I'll be watching that and uh, probably uh, placing a, a couple wagers and probably losing a little bit of money uh, like I do every single Super Bowl when I do those little, you know, they have little, those little square things. You know, you you buy a square, two bucks, three bucks, whatever it is, and then you try and pick the score, and I've never won ever. So maybe this year might change. I doubt it, but we will see what is going on there, and I'll give everybody a post uh, update next Monday, and I'll let everybody know how much I lost. And hopefully uh, we'll be getting, like I say, Matthias will be here shortly. And uh, uh, also I want to let everybody know that uh, uh, Wednesday with uh, Big Swing and the Icon will be uh, debuting a new program uh, called Icon and Friends. That will be on Wednesday night. And uh, we're going to be talking, since we can't really talk about it on the air here, uh, we're going to be talking about all the stuff going on with the WWE and the Vince McMahon scandal. Uh, it's kind of a touchy subject, and uh, since this is a public radio forum, uh, this is not exactly the place where we can air that kind of information. So with that being said, uh, tune in Wednesday night on Blog Talk Radio, www.blogtalkradio.com slash Attitude Era Live is when we will be in, and if I'm not mistaken, I do believe uh, one of my buddies is here. Hello. Hey. Hey, man, what's going Hi, on? Man. Yeah. Uh, nothing much. Just enjoying it right now. You do it. All right. How's it going, man? Uh, it's going good. Uh, am I too much of an echo? Well, you know, I'll tell you what, it, uh, you sound really far away. It's kind of hard to hear you. Maybe you can uh, fix that. 
Well, we bring on the modern nightmare, Matthias. Hello, sir. Hello. I am here in the studio. Good to have you. And, uh, you know, I was just a uh, little talking a little bit about uh, what uh, me and uh, Big Swing got coming up on Wednesday. Uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on with uh, McMahon uh, in the WWE, as you know. Yeah, I am very well aware of all this stuff going on. It's absolutely insane. And it's not really anything that we really want to touch on here because of the nature and the graphic, uh, well, how do you want to say the graphic? The graphic content. Yeah, and it's not something we want to discuss here. Not at all. I mean, I mean you could say in minor, but you can't go, like, into the, the graphic stuff because that is pretty uh, – it is – right now from what I've read and what I've heard and what I've seen, it is uh, – it is definitely uh, PG. It's definitely way past PG thirteen. It's it's going into R and NC seventeen. I'd say X, NC seventeen, R, all those things. Well, you know, I'll tell you what. It's it's pretty bad. And I do believe I hear Scott Hand. I mean, he's got the he's got the best lap in the history of radio. How you doing, man? <laughs> you think so, huh? <laughs> well, I, I I know so. You got that. You know, you got that New York. Uh, New York laugh, and I, we just love it. So it, New York, it, uh, New Jersey, New York, New Jersey. <laughs> well, you know, uh, you guys all had that beautiful accent that I wish I had, compared to the accent I have that people accuse me of having. Or a pizza. <laughs> well, you guys, are you, uh, so you, you go from having eggplant parmesan to pizza. How does that work? Oh, we go all over the place, man. Cheese steaks, pizza, you know, what do you call it? Whatever whatever happens, you know, at the time. We just go with the flow. You know, I, I hate to ask this, but is it uh, possible that when Matthias and I come down uh, in October and we start filming the movie, uh, we might be able to uh, get uh, accustomed to some of your cooking? It's possible. I mean, Luke's over here. He's already plotting out to uh, make you guys uh, hot dogs and Twinkies. Well, I'll tell you, well, hey, I, I, I already agreed to work for hot dogs, so you know, uh, you know, it's better than it's it's better than uh, what uh, I don't know if any of you guys ever saw the movie Roger Rabbit, uh, but uh, remember yeah, what he yeah. said: the best thing is they work for peanuts. Well, I don't work for peanuts; mm-hmm. I work for hot dogs <laughs> and uh, macaroni and cheese and ramen noodles. Uh, and you know, Matthias, you've been there, right? The whole ramen noodles thing. Oh yeah. And uh, being a wrestler, you know, you also do know the thing about staying in your car and sleeping in your car. Yeah, I've had to do that a few times uh, with weather permitting and stuff like that. I mean, sometimes I've been able to get to a hotel, but sometimes if you're stranded on the road, you you really have no choice. You know, I'll tell you what, The uh, one of the uh, interesting things uh, I found out is, did you guys, I don't know if you guys knew this or not, but... Uh, Macho Man Randy Savage and uh, Elizabeth were so thrifty. Well, Ma- Macho Man was. Uh, he uh, he used to like to sleep in his car instead of getting a hotel. Did you guys know that? Yeah, there's a lot of ways that uh, where wrestlers are very thrifty, especially like Mick Foley and Theodore Theodore Long. There's been a few stories where they get to a toll booth and they'll pretend they're sleeping so they don't got to pay their way or sleeping in your car or or not washing your gear as much, stuff like that, just to save a couple extra bucks along the way. Like Vader? Yeah, yeah, Vader and Mick Foley were two uh, guilty people of that. You know, I, I you know, I can just imagine uh, Macho Man saying, Elizabeth, Elizabeth, we can't afford a hotel room because Hulk Hogan, brother, he didn't pass. 
<laughs> Someone's sleeping in the car. <laughs> Welcome to join us. We're going to have uh, Bob Johnson on with us that night. And, of course, Bob Johnson is uh, probably uh, well-known in the wrestling scene in Canada. Uh, he hooked us up with the Hearts, and uh, he, uh, he know, he's known, he knew Stu, uh, he knew Helen, he knew Brett, all the Heart boys. And, uh, like I say, he lives up in Calgary, so he's going to be on the show with us on Wednesday night from 6 p.m. to 7.45 p.m. We're going to be talking about... Uh, all the stuff, uh, rumors and innuendo, as uh, uh, my friend uh, Conrad Thompson likes to say. But I'll tell you what, the way I understand it, though, it's more, it's more fact than rumor, the way I understand it. So you guys are doing a, a show on Wednesday night now? Just, or is it just this week? Just, just this week, just to see how it goes. Uh, but, uh, you know, everybody's asking me, when you, are, are you guys not going to talk about this? Uh, yes, we do want to talk about it, but there's just certain things we want to go. We want to do a deep dive into it. It's just that we cannot do a deep dive into what the content is on our show here. Yeah, it's, uh, it's very. Uh, I mean, we could sit here and say all that, but it's just it's too uh, it's too complicated. It's not 100 yeah, percent confirmed right. yet. It's uh, too heavy. It's too graphic. It's it's a lot of things that are just uh, definitely, um, like we said, NC-17 X-rated. It's it's pretty pretty bad. Yeah, and the way it looks, uh, the way it looks is Brock Lesnar's career is done. Yep. He uh, well, he actually's basically getting the Chris Benoit treatment. Is getting removed. Uh, all his content's getting removed from the WWE. And Vince McMahon is done as well. Oh yeah. Like I don't. Well, it, it's the one thing with this is he. Um, like, Vince McMahon will not be removed from the WWE, um, of course, because he's been the chairman of the board for so many years. Like, he won't get fully erased like um, like uh, Chris Benoit and, and uh, Brock Lesnar will. Um, but, I mean, it's just being uh, being in Stephanie's shoes now and stuff. I mean, I mean, if it's going to be a ton of ridicule, like what's going to happen in their future, who's going to run the thing. And, and we could go into a lot of stuff like that, especially with TKO and The Rock. And there, there will be no more McMahon's at all, ever. Probably not. Sounds like. Probably not. And um, and I and I can sit here for a mile and talk about the crap that happened on SmackDown last Friday. Um, I mean, we can talk about that at a later time. But yeah, I've got a lot of stuff to say about that. Like WWE is really at this time messing up with their big their big storylines, and uh, and it involves The Rock, and now with this McMahon stuff, and Brock Lesnar getting removed, and. And Cody Rhodes getting the shaft. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, he—I don't know what they're going to do with him anymore. And and I—I'm I, guessing he'll go for the world title now. I just—I don't know. I don't know what the heck's going to happen anymore with this with this company anymore. It's once this McMahon stuff started happening, then everything kind of just started started down spiraling. And you know, the sad thing is, uh, you know, Matthias, you and I have been wrestling fans for forever. Yeah, and it's really sad that what is going on in the world of wrestling today. The world of wrestling, it's been a passion of mine ever since I can remember, and I've been, a, and I've been in the business for going on 11 years now, and, and I've loved it every step of the way. And there have been times where, excuse my French, I've been screwed over. 
Uh, there's been a lot of times where I've been put in places I didn't want to be. There's been a lot of times where I've there's a lot of negatives and a lot of positives. And with the world of wrestling, you know, the promoters, they get what they want. And if they were true good promoters, they would say, I want this, and you, they let the wrestlers do the art. And it seems like a lot of times they want to take over every aspect, which will slowly burn the wrestler or the company. And it just – the world of wrestling now is just – it's very scary. Or not scary, but it's all over the place. It's clustered. And I'm just hoping for a turnaround, especially in the E. But you never know. Well, let's, uh, you know, and, uh, the way it sounds, and I, I've been uh, I've been keeping up on this, uh, and I've listened to a lot of different takes from a lot of different people, and uh, we're we're going to curb it after I go through this. Uh, it's it's not good, it's just terrible, it's bad, and um, I I don't think it's going to be the end of the WWE. Because uh, you know everybody knows the WWE is gonna uh, is a global juggernaut, but it is the end of the McMahon's in wrestling. Yeah, without hey, a doubt. Like I, I said, I, I feel said? like uh, uh, Luke here. Uh, I, I missed the whole Brockcom thing. I heard about a uh, McMahon, but no idea about what happened with Brock Lesnar. Is that, did he send, say something or do something? Well, no. Brock Lesnar is involved in this thing with McMahon as well. So that's well, why well, Brock's name got, Brock, Brock was involved with this stuff back then, and his name got dropped in the investigation. So now, just to, so now his his content and his name have, have all been kaput, from what I've heard. And also, uh, the way it sounds, though, uh, with all this stuff go, uh, going on, uh, there might be some, You might be a lot of, seeing a few divorces in the news from the wrestling uh, realm. Probably, um, and it's like, and, and, and what, what kind of bothers me, and, and I'm just gonna say this as a hot take. Only got a few seconds. Go I know. It's like after these allegations came out, like with this one person, now all of a sudden a lot of people are coming out and going, yeah, this happened to me. The like I was, like for instance, there was a superstar, and I'm not gonna name names, but she was like yeah, I really didn't like doing the bikini contest, and I really didn't like doing this, and I really didn't like doing that, but she's been out of the business for how many years, and then she comes back for the rumbles, like everything's fine, but, you know, deep down everything's not fine, but it's like, did she come back for the payday, or like what's going on? It's just it's just unfortunate that it wasn't just this one individual. It's been a plethora, and it's just, it, it's, it's crazy, but, you know, what happens happens, I guess. All right. Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, we uh, we are ready. Uh, looks like our first guest is on the wing, so we are going to take a quick little commercial break. We'll be back after these messages, folks. So stick with us. Don't go away. Ladies 
and gentlemen, stepping out of the green room right now, he is the historian that knows all about game shows. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you our guest at this time. He is Adam Needham. Wow. That is an introduction. Thank you very much for uh, having me here. And thank you for pronouncing your name correctly. That doesn't happen a lot. (laughs) I'm doing great. I'm looking forward to this. I I want to let your listeners know this is by far the most professional podcast that I've been on so far because this got booked months ago, and you folks have stayed in touch with me and just sent little reminders that things are on the way. And you don't get that with other podcasts. You really don't. So I I, I really do appreciate and admire the level of professionalism here. It's like you're an actual operation. And you get your own theme song, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so here's what we're going to do here, Adam. Uh, I'm gonna, uh, uh, we're going to do a little roundtable. I'm going to ask you a few questions, and we'll do a roundtable. We'll come back to me, and I'll ask you the tougher questions. But we need you to give us a background about yourself first, so go ahead. Yeah, sure. Uh, I was uh, born and raised in West Virginia. I don't know how far back you want to go, but... Um, always obsessed with game shows from the time I was a very, very little kid, and my grandparents nurtured that for me. My grandfather made me a little toy Wheel of Fortune when I was about three years old. So I, everybody there supported the spark, even though they all thought it was weird. And then in the 1990s, uh, the Internet happened, and I, I'm sure that a lot of people had the same experience I had, which was discovering <laughs> – discovering that uh, you're not the only one like you out there. And that's what the Internet was for me, was finding out, oh, my God, there are other people who are obsessed with game shows. And that opened up a new world with me, and it eventually led me on this path towards I want to work in game shows. I moved out to uh, Hollywood in 2007 and uh, found that working in game shows or finding a job in game shows wasn't the easiest thing in the world because it's a matter of getting your name out there, and I didn't have a name. So I started writing books about the history of game shows, and happily my books fell into the laps of the people who were doing the hiring, and that's how I finally got into the game show business. So I worked full-time behind the scenes as a game show fact checker for the trivia questions, and I'm also – I overthought how to explain my job to a lot of people for the longest time, and then I found out my roommate explains what I do, and she came up with a much more eloquent way of explaining it. So just to explain what my job is, when you're watching a game show – and the contestant gives an iffy answer, and the host says, I'll need to check with the judges on this. That's me. I'm judges. That's my job. Um, so, so I've been so doing that. So you're the one that uh, the contestant gets mad at when you call it wrong? Yes. And I have had to deal with that. <laughs> I have worked on shows where they've had to shut down taping, and I've had to walk on stage holding my laptop to show them my research and show my work and explain, no, here's why you're wrong. I, I have had to do that. Um, it's not the best thing in the world, but on the other hand, there's the flip side of that, which is I've worked on at least two shows where a contestant, a contestant knew something that we didn't, and so we dug into the answer the contestant gave, and the opposite experience happened, which was we had to walk on stage and explain, okay, actually we owe you $10,000. Good work. So there's the good and the bad of this. So uh... – so since the, the contestant called you out on it and you had to pay $10,000, uh, what did the game show host say? Well, I, I guess there goes your Christmas bonus. <laughs> no, that hasn't happened yet. No, happily, I am proud to say we have a team that does the, that does the research in advance, and we make sure these questions are locked down, and we, we actually do 
we try to look for other answers and other details we haven't thought of. But basically what happens is eventually you have a question about medicine and you get a contestant who is a doctor and they will ring in and say something that you absolutely did not find in all the digging that you did. And it turns out, Oh yeah. Um, they'll give you, you know, stuff about, well, I'm yammering now, but yeah, you get the idea. Basically somebody will be more of an expert on a subject than you are and they'll surprise you with the information that they know. Uh, Adam Needham is a guest here. We've got about uh, 25 minutes here with Adam. So uh, uh, we're gonna, uh, I'm going to say the tougher game show questions. Uh, and I'm not gonna, It's not going to be like Jeopardy, okay? Uh, you don't have to say, <laughs> I can't, I'll take, what was that answer for? No, we're not going to do that. But what uh, we're going to do is uh, I'm going to introduce you. He's one of my co-hosts. And uh, uh, each one of our co-hosts tonight gets their own game show theme song. And uh, they're going to tell us who. Their favorite co-host, uh, not not co-host, uh, who their favorite game show host is, and then they're going to ask a couple questions. So let's go with uh, the director, Scott Hand. Uh, Scott, uh, who is your favorite game show host? I would have to go with Richard Dawson from Family Feud. <laughs> that was the theme song to the price, right? So you like Richard Dawson because he got the kids, kids no, all the no, girls, no, right? Team. Hold on, I gotta push up the glasses there because you said it was the theme to the Price is Right, and I'll have. To, I want your listeners to know I am pushing up the glasses. As I say, it was the theme to Press Your Luck. Yes. I I, I screwed up. I'm sorry. It was Press Your Luck. So That's go fine. ahead, Scott. What do you got? Uh, game shows. So, what, what was your favorite game show? My favorite game show growing up was The Price is Right. I think it's the best okay. format for a game show ever devised. I think it's perfect. I think it's just amazing. Um, it was, it was I think good. smaller games have been a bigger game. It's exciting and engaging and interesting. And Bob Barker, for all those years, was a perfect host. And Drew Carey has done a great job of uh, putting his stamp on it, but maintaining the integrity of what the show was and why people loved it to begin with. Mm-hmm. Oh, I agree, absolutely. What was your thoughts on the uh, family feud with, with Richard Dawson was there? Oh, uh, Richard Dawson. I mean, the guy that made the show. Um, yeah really something special and it, it, it was really interesting hearing the story i've had a chance to talk to some of the people who worked in the tv business uh who made these decisions and i've had a chance to talk to the abc network executives who suggested they hire richard dawson for the show because richard dawson was primarily a game show panelist at that time he was a comedian and actor who was known for being the panelist on match game and he had and watched new richard court on uh, hogan's heroes you got it yeah Uh, And Richard had hosted a pilot for ABC that they ended up passing on. But it's the funniest funniest thing what will win you a job in Hollywood. Um, The game was no good, but one of the things that the executive noticed was that when Richard was instructing contestants about what to do, he was putting his arms around them. And he Mm. said to himself, oh, my God, this guy's a toucher. And he said he made a mental note that if if somebody comes up with a game show format that involves a lot of people on stage – Richard should host it because he's not afraid of people. <laughs> no, he, he certainly wasn't. I got one more, yeah. though, for you. There was, a, there was one when I was a kid that I remember they used to watch in the house. I always I remember the name of it, but, and I, I could see the host, but I can't remember the host's name. The show was the Newlywed Game. What was the host on that one? Bob Eubanks. Uh, Bob Eubanks. Uh, Bob Eubanks. Yeah, That's the best-known host. Yeah. The, yeah. The, the, the game show host that does not age. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah, a, a lot of them have that fountain of youth quality. It's, it's and 
again, getting the chance to work in the business and seeing people up close, it's, you do kind of wonder where Wink Martindale's Dorian Gray portrait is. I mean, it's, he yeah. is exactly Wink Martindale as I remember him when I was a toddler and he was hosting shows. You know, when I was... Uh, He's a miracle. Yeah. You know, when I was hosting the Ben and Jim show, we got to uh, uh, interview Wink Martindale, and uh, he was talking about his book, Winking at Life. And he, he yeah. is just a, a regular guy, a nice guy. Wonderful guy, very engaging, and just great to chat with about all kinds of things. One of the things that I really appreciated it when we were invited to his house to do an interview for uh, the Oral History Project at the museum that I'm a part of, the uh, National Archives of Game Show History. And Wink has a dedicated room of his house for recording a syndicated radio show that he does here on the West Coast. And what I love about Wink is that, number one, he's still recording on analog equipment, but number two, he uses (laughs) razor blades to... He uses razor blades to make the edits on the tape. He is still doing it the way they edited audio back in the 1960s. And I said, you know, they make digital software now. And he nodded his head and smiled, and he said, old dogs, you know. So, yeah. Well, you know, it's funny you mentioned that, because uh, I'm going to introduce you to my uh, next co-host. Uh, he knows about using razor blades, but it's about something different. It's called, <laughs> in the wrestling term, it's, it's called getting color. And uh, he's the oh, modern yeah. nightmare, Matthias. And uh, go ahead, Matthias. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and ask a question. Who is your favorite game show host, first off? Well, I have to say, um, without further, I mean, well, you got Alex Trebek, you've got Bob Eubanks, um, Richard Dawson. I would have to say, I mean, if you want to go more modern times, let's go Steve Harvey for Family Feud. Um, but definitely one of my favorites was uh, was um, Bob Eubanks for sure. But um, anyway, I'll do my little introduction here too. Um, so, yes, you are talking to the man from every woman's greatest dream and every man's worst nightmare, North Dakota's number one heel, current reigning, defending, undisputed APW World Heavyweight Champion and and NSC World Tag Team Champion and soon again to be NSC World Heavyweight Champion and Rudo's All-Weight Champion and honorary member of the New World Order, Matthias. Welcome on to my part of the program. My main question for you would be, was there ever, while working in game shows or watching game shows in general, was there a a host that you honestly wished wasn't replaced going into another version of the game show or an updated version or or whatever the case, or like they decided, hey, it's time to quit and somebody else replaced them? Was there one that you wish could have, you know, lived on to the end of the game show? Uh, you know what, um... There have been revivals of match game over the years, uh, and this doesn't exactly answer your question, but so much of what people loved about match game in the 1970s was from Gene Rayburn. Gene Rayburn was one of those people who was the heart and the spirit of the show. Uh, And without him, you can still do match game, and it'll still be pretty entertaining, but it's never going to be the same. Now, that's true of every game show host, because every game show host introduces their own personality into the show. But Gene Rayburn was the greatest degree of difference. His show is the one that just feels the most different when he's not there. Um, other than that, you know, it, one of those things that's hard for some fandoms to accept is there is a passage of time, and you can't go on forever with some formats or some hosts or some combination thereof. Um, and you just you learn to live with that. You learn to accept it, and you learn to appreciate the fact that, hey, the new people are pretty good, too. 
great example of that was when they reintroduced Presser Luck in the 2000s. They called it Whammy, the all-new Presser Luck. And I really, yep. really wanted to see Peter Tamarkin, the original host of the show, uh, at the helm. And they gave the job to Todd Newton. And I was like, oh, I wanted to see Peter Tamarkin. And then watching night one of Todd Newton's version, I was like, okay, I can accept this. I'm fine with this. You know, I, being able to look at the guy on his own merit rather than judging him on a scale of he's not the original guy. I appreciated what he did. And that's that's true of all game show revivals, reboots they've done over the years. Is you You kind of can't live with the old version okay um yeah the one and i was that leads into my kind of like my next question because you actually brought up uh whammy the all-new pressure luck uh is there a game show that has ceased to exist aka whammy the all-new pressure luck um that you wish would have continued on or like you wish would even be on like today i mean it's always fun to go like nostalgic and watch the older episodes but like for me when i was younger i actually really liked the the game show russian roulette uh where yeah. they stand on top of those platforms and then they drop or whatever if their their thing gets picked that was one of my favorite game shows i would watch that all the time so is there like i wish they would do something like that nowadays still but is there anything any game show that you watch would wish that would still do new episodes to this day uh, there are a couple of shows from the 1970s that I think are undiscovered gems. Uh, one of them is a show called Celebrity Sweepstakes. It was only on the air for two years back in the 1970s, but it was a great premise. Basically, what they did was they took Hollywood Squares and they added a betting element to it, which was you had six celebrities. The host, Jim McCrell, reads a trivia question to all of them. And all six of them write down what they think is the correct answer to the question. And as they're writing down the answers, the members of the studio audience, who all have push buttons on their seats, are voting on who they think is most likely to give the correct answer. And based on that, a computer is tabulating odds for each celebrity. So it's uh, Nifty Russell's odds are 2 to 1, Carol Wayne's odds are 12 to 1, Dan Rowan's odds are 73 to 1. And you picked a celebrity and placed a bet on whether that celebrity would give a correct answer. And it was a great premise. It was a great spin on the Hollywood Squares idea. And I think it's, it's one that would be worth going back and revisiting today. Um, Another one from the 1960s, I think uh, it was called Video Village. And it's a basic idea that I don't think gets explored enough because the idea was it was a, it was a set-wide board game. And the contestants were the pawns on the board game. You rolled the dice and you moved a number of spaces on this board game that spanned the entire length of with the studio. And what was great about it was you could change up what the different spaces could do. So from day to day, you would have different penalties and different bonuses and different kinds of challenges. So in all the years that The Price is Right has been on the air, one of the things that hasn't been explored enough is smaller games within a bigger game. And you could do that with a Video Village format by just changing up what each space on the game board does. And I think that's one that's worth reexamining. Perfect. Uh, Adam Needham, I guess you're on 89.1 Gents FM, and uh, we got about uh, 15 minutes here left. So now we're going to go ahead and uh, talk about uh, uh, your books. And uh, before we do that, we got uh, I got to chime in with my favorite theme song of all time. Anyway, so uh, you know, uh, you know. You talk about uh, game shows. Of course, my favorite thing is game shows, and my wife, of course, hates game shows. 
Uh, she doesn't <laughs> like when I watch them. And, uh, you know, uh, 5 o'clock, you can see my dad sitting in front of the TV uh, yelling all the correct answers at Jeopardy. And, uh, you know, 6.30 comes, my mom's watching Wheel of Fortune, and I'm going back and watching reruns of, uh, you know, Match Game and the Gong sh- Well, the Gong Show you can't really see anymore. But, uh, you know, uh, let's talk about some of the books that uh, – You've done uh, the match game about Gene uh, Reber, uh, Gene Rayburn, uh, the Gong Show, uh, the Life and Times of Alan Ludden, uh, uh, this day in game show history. Uh, you've done a, you've done a few of those. Uh, when did uh, when you decided to start uh, doing these books? And was it uh, was it hard to go out and meet these individuals that you were writing about? It was a little difficult at first. Uh, again, like I said, when I started writing the books, the big challenge was I didn't have a name, and that was the whole reason that I was trying to write these books was to get my name out there. And what's great is when you find one person who believes in you, that one person can open a lot of doors. And I've, uh, my one person was a guy named Fred Westbrook, uh, who himself was an author and a game show historian. He wrote uh, three books that were the definitive history of game shows up to the time he wrote the, he co-wrote the books, uh, along with a guy named Steve Ryan and a guy named David Schwartz, uh, who both work in the game show business as well. But Fred co-wrote uh, this series of books called The Encyclopedia of TV Game Shows, and he went on to become an agent uh, or the executor of the estate for pretty much every game show host that you could name. Uh, Fred became their agent uh, later in their careers. He was also Adam West's agent, and uh, it, it, that was – that was kind of a neat tidbit about him. Uh, there's a documentary about Adam West's life, and Fred is all over this documentary if you get a chance to see it. Um, but I had a chance to meet Fred at his office, and Fred picked my brain about game show trivia, which was very neat. You, you could tell he was trying to gauge how much of an idiot I was, and then I was able to demonstrate that I actually kind of knew my stuff. He was like, all right, yeah, I'll give you a hand. So he began calling up people that he knew, people that would be useful in the course of researching or good interviews for the book. And as time has gone by, that's given me the confidence and that's given me enough of a name that in future books, you know, you just, you send out this email to an interview prospect and say, hi, my name is Adam Needham. I'm an author specializing in game show history. Here's a link to all of my books on Amazon and explaining the next project. And it's just easier. So that's the difference one person can make is Fred opened all those doors for me and they're still opening. And, uh, we we have uh, Mr. Needham as our guest here. I mean, we're talking about books about my favorite guy, Bill Cullen, uh, Monty Hall. Uh, you know, um, j- just just a bevy of uh, of books. And uh, when you when you sit down and write your books, uh, do you like make lists of okay, I want to do a story about this individual. I want to do a book about him. Book about him. Book about him. I want to do a book about this guy so I can meet this individual. Does it does it? <laughs> boil down like that or is it a little less complicated than that no they all happen pretty much organically um bill cullen i wrote just because uh somebody should have written a book about bill cullen he was a really interesting figure um just to give everyone a thumbnail sketch of bill cullen in case they decide to buy my book quiz master um bill cullen was uh the most prolific game show host of all time uh between television and radio he hosted uh over 40 game shows and what was uh, particularly remarkable about this was Bill was afflicted by polio as an infant and was partially disabled for his entire life. So you had this guy who had an incredible career in television, including uh, there was a period in 1973 and a period in 1976 
where he was on uh, every broadcast network, plus uh, had a show in syndication all at the same time, all in the same week. Um, So just a remarkable career, a remarkable guy, very well liked by the people who worked with him, and managed to build this career for himself despite being told that he was never going to walk. And not only did he walk, but he ended up having a career in game shows. Um, Just an extraordinary guy and often referred to as the dean of game show hosts. the, the, I, the best way to describe it there would be second, right? Yeah, so Wink, Wink's an easy second. And by the, one of the things that I should have mentioned earlier, in keeping with the nature of this podcast, when I had a chance to talk to uh, Wink uh, for this oral history project that I was doing, uh, I knew that he worked with Lance Russell uh, when he was coming up in radio in Memphis. So I asked him about Lance Russell, and it turned out that Wink and Lance were friends, and Wink made it a point to uh, have dinner with Lance whenever he was back in Tennessee. So there's actually a game show wrestling connection there. Um, but, yeah, uh, Bill was my favorite host, and so I wrote that book. Uh, and I was always a fan of Match Game, and Fred uh, had a bunch of Gene Rayburn stuff and just kind of planted the seed in my head, hey, Adam, do you want to write a book about Gene Rayburn next? And I said, okay. And then I had a chance to meet the family of Dennis James, who – effectively was the first game show host on television way back in 1946. He hosted the first network game show. Uh, And uh, again, an amazing career there and one that wasn't really written about or discussed and having a chance to meet his family, I decided, you know what, I'm going to write that book. Um, And then the chance to write about Alan Ludden came along. And then the chance to write about Monty Hall came along because a friend, uh, Bob Bowden took me to Monty's funeral and I got a chance to meet his family there. So that opened a door. Um, and it's, it's been amazing how many people have given me a chance to do this work and how many people have given of themselves for me to be able to keep doing it. It's really been a blessing to be surrounded by so many extraordinarily generous, generous people. Uh, Adam Needham, so I guess you're on 89.1 Kens FM. We've got about eight minutes left. Uh, so, and then for those of you who listen to our show on a regular basis, if you go to our Facebook page, Attitude Era Monday Live Monday, you like that, go to Kens FM page, uh, and go to our Attitude Era Monday Live Monday, like that, do a $10 a month donation to Power of the Tower. We'll get you automatically qualified to win an autograph picture from past guests, current guests, future guests. And I do believe, Adam, that you are going to send us a few autographs if you haven't already. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Always. Awesome. So, uh, and so we. So before I, I ask like the, these three blockbuster questions, real quick here, if our fans want to check you out and see you, you got a Facebook, an Instagram, YouTube, a Twitter, Twitch, a TikTok. What do you got? Yeah, I'm on Facebook. Uh, the uh, game show author Adam Needif is the name of the page. Just, if you just if the name Needif is too much to handle, just game show author should be enough to bring me up. Uh, and I'm also on, on uh, Amazon. Just doing a search for my name there will bring up all of my books uh, and. They're they're all still on sale, and uh, many of them are in their third printing because the first two came out blurry. (laughs) (laughs) And I do believe, yeah, those uh, are the best two places to check me out. uh, We we have we have a few minutes here, Luke. Uh, Go ahead with your question. Go ahead, Luke. Sorry. (laughs) Oh uh, well, uh, I was going to ask. um, uh, What about um, now, Bill Fullen? He was the um, he was in the United. Uh, State Air Force uh, Army, I believe, like when when it was in its early uh, yeah he was uh, a, yeah um, he was four uh, F, which is the designation for somebody who's disabled and couldn't go to war, but he he knew how to pilot planes, so he actually did serve in World War II as much as somebody like him could serve, which was he was Excellent. a civilian instructor. He helped train uh, pilots during that era. 
amazing individual. Uh, how many how many yeah. game shows uh, did he he hosted? Like twenty twenty something, over, wasn't it? He, uh, on uh, television, it's over twenty. The funny thing is, it's hard to judge because. Even in the time since I wrote that book, we're still finding credits for him. The, the, the guy did not take a day off. So we keep uncovering little radio shows that we didn't know about, little uh, guest hosting jobs that he did over the years. So wow. between radio and television, we know it's at least 40, but that's the crazy thing about this guy's life and about the career he had in broadcasting is he's been dead for 32 years now, or 34 years, excuse me. And we keep finding stuff from him that we didn't know. <laughs> that makes me want to switch up my coffee or something. He, he, he yeah, had no. some drive, man. <laughs> well, you know, I'll tell you about uh, Bill Cullen. Uh, two of my favorite games of his, of course, uh, were um, were blockbusters uh, and uh, bumper stumpers. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Bill didn't, do bumper Bill didn't do Blockbusters, and Blockbusters is a favorite of mine, too. Um, but, it, yeah, and it's one that uh, Ian Riccoboni uh, plugs all the time when somebody does a Blockbuster suplex. Uh, that's where it's called if somebody called Bill Cullen really? comes from. It, it's, wow. cool to see, it's cool to hear the Bill Cullen shout-out when somebody does that move now. So now, wow. so now, for those of you who think we're, we've gotten away from wrestling, there is your wrestling connection right there. Yeah. And we, we, we can do like, uh, uh, with uh, Mr. Need up here, we can do like uh, like they do with uh, uh, Kevin Bacon, 10 degrees of uh, Adam Need to get to wrestling. Okay, there let you. me go back. Uh, let me, there is a stronger tie to get to, between game shows and wrestling that I can give you. Uh, I would implore your listeners – if they want to pick out one of my books, and it's the one that has the most about pro wrestling in it, it's called OK, OK. It's the biography of Dennis James, who, like I said, was the first game show host on television. But in addition to that, also the first pro wrestling commentator on television. Uh, he did commentary for pro wrestling live for two hours every Monday night uh, on the Dumont Network. Uh, two hours of wrestling live on Monday wow. nights. <laughs> what? Yeah. But, yeah, uh, he was the original wrestling commentator on television, uh, famous for a lot of trademarks. Uh, like, for example, he brought props to his commentary table, and he would add sound effects. So he had, like, a dog's toy called a crackle bone, and he would twist it every time somebody did a submission hold, so it would sound like the bone was breaking. Um, so that was his well, time on I commentary, ask- but also became so famous. He's the guy uh, in Rocky Three who is calling the match between Rocky and Thunderlips. Oh, That's who Dennis James is. Adam, I got to ask you this, and I'd be willing to yeah. fit the bill to do this. Would you be willing to send us an autographed copy of that book about Dennis James, and then we can give it away Absolutely, to our listeners? Yeah. Yes. All right. Cool. Yes, I'll I send would. you the address and everything. And uh, you're awesome. We, we still got a few minutes left, but one thing I do want to ask you about in, in game shows. Uh, you know, back in the day, they had the, of course, the the game show scandal with uh, the twenty uh, sixty four thousand dollar question yep. and twenty one. Uh, have mm-hmm. you done any books on those, or is that uh, something that you might do eventually, I, or do you not want to touch that? That's been covered in one of my books, Game Shows FAQ, because Game Shows FAQ is the general history of game shows from start to present day. And uh, I did get a chance to go into that. And, again, part of the oral history project for, I'll say it again, the National Archives of Game Show History at the Strong National Museum of Play. One of the oral histories that we had a chance to do that is now available for streaming on that website uh, we interviewed the surviving family members of the producers of 21. Uh, and it was a joint interview where they talked about their memories of that time in their lives, uh, having to rebuild and having to go through all that stress of being implicated in a scandal and how 
Jack Berry and Dan Enright rebuilt their careers and rebuilt their empire and started pretty much from scratch in the 1970s and had a Joker's slew of wild. successful game shows. At that point where, yeah, the Joker's Wild folks, yeah. Um, <laughs> 21 and just, like I said, they were able to start from scratch and start all, all over again and make a career for themselves doing honest game shows. Or as... Uh... As Rain Man would say, I got I got Jeopardy at five o'clock. I I, I got Jeopardy at yeah. five, five o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> uh, ten, 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 Mr. Wapner. Ten, ten, ten Mr. Wapner. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Adam, you said uh, uh, Adam, you, you said that there was commentary on uh, uh, oh. one guy doing commentary every Monday night um, for two hours and brings his own sound effects. That reminds me of somebody. I, uh, oh yeah. Uh, well, yeah. You know, I tell you, um, uh, but you know, sometimes when it comes to sound effects, I I don't play them uh, because uh, sometimes uh, when I when I tell a bad joke or something, uh, uh, Adam, they'll like uh, you know they'll like uh, like you know what you know what's the main difference between Wheel of Fortune and Jeopardy? Oh, what's that? A thirty, a 30 second theme song. <laughs> anyway, well, I'll tell you what, uh, Adam, we're uh, waiting for our, our next guest to call in. Uh, would you be, are you willing to, uh, I know we, I, I know I promised I was looking at Adam on for 30 minutes, but would you be willing to stick with us until our next guest calls in? Yeah, I got that. Sure. Uh, okay. Now, uh, a couple other things that, uh, that uh, I was going to ask you about, and of course, you know, your books really uh, aren't like, well, well, correct me if I'm wrong, aren't really the kind of books that you can do like a book on tape. But if you wanted to, uh, is that something that uh, you've explored? Um, you know, the first book on tape, the first audio book that we did was the biography of Bill Cullen, and that, to my knowledge, didn't sell well. Um, but I've got a lot of requests for Gong This Book, so I'll, that's my newest book. Uh, and I will go ahead and announce to your listeners, yes, there's an audiobook version of that in production. That is on its way. So there's going to be an audiobook version of that one. All right. And uh, of yeah. all the books that you've done so far, what was your, what was your most challenging to write? Uh, the most challenging to write, and uh, this is going to sound like a mean comment, and, and it's not because his wife said this herself, um, the biography of Dennis James, the wrestling commentator that I was just talking about. Um, when I first talked to her about this, she said, well, who are you going to interview? Because all of my husband's friends are dead. And yeah, <laughs> but um, I, I was fortunate to, enough to be able to cobble together things from the families of people that knew him. Um, and, you know, Dennis's own family, his, his two sons, uh, Randy and Brad were fantastic, and it was it was great talking to them. Uh, and they gave a lot of help with the book, and they they turned over their dad's entire photo collection, which was extraordinary. Seeing the people that their dad worked with over the years, um, and yeah, so that was a challenging one to write, but it was a pleasure of a challenge. And like I said, the whole idea of writing these books is to give these people a dinner. Uh, game shows are not the most appreciated genre in television. And I wanted to make sure that all these guys got their due. That was the big thing was I wasn't seeing stories. There weren't a lot of stories being told about game shows or being preserved in book form. And I wanted to get some stories in print. And uh, so I've been very proud that I've been able to do that. And I'm glad that I've been up to the challenge. I'm grateful that I've been up to the challenge. 
So let's uh, let's kind of shift gears a little bit. What uh, what do you have in the works now, or can't you really talk about any future projects right now? Uh, there are a couple of books that are in the pipeline. I don't really want to talk about them yet because there's there's one roadblock standing in front of both of them, and I want to deal with those. And uh, once they're dealt with, I'll be able to say, okay, this book is on its way, and then this book will be on its way. I don't want to announce something that's going to take three or four years to come out. Um, but uh, a couple of things on the way, and until that point, the one project that I do want to hype that is on its way that I'm very, very excited about uh, again, to repeat, the National Archives of Game Show History at the Strong National Museum of Play. It has an online presence now, but just to explain what this is, the Strong Museum of Play is a museum dedicated to play in all its forms. So there are, there are exhibits there about the history of video games. The Video Game Hall of Fame is there. The National Toy Hall of Fame is there. You've got the histories of dolls, histories of model train sets, um, history of superhero play, history of storybooks just play in all its forms and we are dedicated to building a wing of the museum that'll be dedicated to the history of game shows and we're planning uh, on opening that in 2026 and we're going uh, to have some yep uh adam we do have a caller would you yeah adam would you be willing to take a call yeah (laughs) all right uh all right, uh, caller 1619. Remember, this is a family show, uh, PG language. We don't have a seven-second delay. Uh, what do you have for our guest? Go ahead. Hello? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Oh, hey. So my question is, if you're a, you're a writer, and, of course, if you find, like, some of the books you have writing, but what do you find more challenging, the writing or the marketing aspects? Uh, the marketing is a little tricky uh, just because I do publish with a small publisher. Uh, it's a wonderful company called Bear Manor Media, and Bear Manor Media is a publishing company that specializes in show business history and is brave enough to publish books that a lot of other publishers probably wouldn't see a market for. Like, for example, when my first book came out, uh, my biography of Bill Cullen, the other book that they had come out that month was a biography of Jay Silverheels, uh, Tonto from The Lone Ranger. Now, in the 2010s, there aren't that many publishers that would be clamoring to publish a biography of Jay Silverheels. But Bear Manor Media was uh, willing to publish that. The trade-off is I am on my own for marketing, so that is a little bit uh, tricky. Um, I've been lucky enough to cultivate some kind of presence online and build an audience uh, through my Facebook page and be able to establish some kind of group just by regularly updating that Facebook page and making sure the algorithm finds it uh, just from the frequency of stuff that I post on there and trying to generate interest in it. Um, So Facebook uh, marketing has been a godsend to me, uh, but I really must tell you the most important lesson that I learned about marketing came from this new book that I have about the gong show. Uh, Again, the title is Gong This Book. Um, I paid $100 for an ad uh, on Facebook uh, to tout the gong show, uh, to tout my book about uh, the gong show. And it was an ad with some photos from the show and just explaining, here are the people I interviewed for this book and here are the links to buy it. Please buy my book. And 14,000 people saw that ad. And then I posted a video of a gong show act. It was a marionette artist who made his marionette puppet take her clothes off. And I attached (laughs) link. You should probably like TikTok or like put it on YouTube if you like, if you can do all that and, I would like really go viral if you could like 
Yeah, well, I mean, the Marionette artist, that, that got 250,000 views for free. So, I mean, you, you've definitely got a point there. Um, it is a little hard uh, maintaining. It, it, when you have a lot of irons in the fire, sometimes you're not thinking about social media. Uh, I, I've had several people know, advise me. Try to try TikTok. Yes, call in earlier, and then at the end of the show, yeah. we'll talk about the Roman Reigns stuff. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. So we have uh, uh, Mr. Nita Fierce, our guest here, and we're on eighty-nine point one Kent FM. And uh, uh, you know, I'll tell you what. It, uh, I just realized my mic was on, so uh, everybody heard that our, our second guest uh, just had to, uh, had, to bail, had to bail out. Uh, but anyway, uh, one thing I one thing I do want to ask you, uh, uh, Adam, when you're um, is, is there uh, one, and, and I know you said you don't want to talk about uh, future projects, so this is not really something that, uh, uh, not not really hinting at that, but is there one game show host that you really, really want to write about? You know, that's a tough one to say. I, I've written about pretty much all of my idols at this point, uh, and, uh, you know, a couple of them have beat me to the punch. Bob Eubanks wrote an excellent autobiography some years back uh, called it, uh, It's in the Book, Bob. Uh, and uh, Wink Martindale, as you mentioned, wrote Winking at Life. So they beat me to the punch on those. Alex Trebek wrote a wonderful autobiography shortly before his passing. Um, so pretty much everybody that I'd want to talk about has been covered, although, you know, the suggestion box is open if anyone wants to plant a seed about uh, who they'd like to read about or what shows they'd Clive like Anderson? About. Does that count? What was that? Clive Anderson Who's from that? Whose Line Is It Anyway? <laughs> the original? <laughs> is that a, does that count or is that off skirt? <laughs> you know, here's the thing. Really it, it is one. listed in the Encyclopedia of TV Game Shows, so the Encyclopedia feels it's a game show. I, 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 I myself am not sure. Um, <laughs> He's a great host, though. You must admit that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Very well, charming. Much, uh, I, I stole a joke from him once. Yeah. How about what was the joke? <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, the the joke that I stole from him. I was hosting my high school talent show, and uh, the joke that I stole was uh, I asked how the I asked how our acts are performing so far in the scores. Our judges have told me that the scoring is neck and neck, which eliminates me from the competition. And that that was a Clive Anderson joke, and I was like, I like that, so I made it a point to use it when I was hosting the talent show. They yeah, also have the uh, best about, point uh, system, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. Uh, how about doing a book about uh, Bob Barker? You know, uh, Bob is another one that beat me to the punch. His was called uh, Priceless Memories, um, and uh, a good read, a good solid read uh, from Bob. So, I mean, I don't have uh, much else. A, a couple of the models have written books about the show, too, so or about their lives, essentially. But, um, yeah, that's territory that's been covered, too. So, like I said, I, I, uh, a lot of these folks have had a chance to tell their stories up to this point, but I wanted to get – the stories that I wanted about behind the scenes on the shows and about the people who were less appreciated, I think. Well, you know, you should I think check what, out Drew uh, Carey. Drew, you yeah. know, uh, Drew would be a good one. I, he wrote an autobiography before uh, The Price is Right came along, so it would certainly merit updating at this point. Um, but, yeah, he does Price is Right, know, so still, he's hand in hand. Yeah, he's still at it. Um, I, I do I do find it kind of interesting to talk about folks who aren't in the business anymore just because it's neat to get that perspective on what their career was and what the influence was that they had. So maybe Drew, but maybe not. I don't know. I haven't decided yet. 
Well, you know, I'll tell you, I was always thinking that, uh, you know, I might have to hire you because I have a, uh, I have a good story to tell uh, about being a, you know, a radio host. And I'm sure that would be a lot oh of... Oh, my uh, God. Who the hell cares? <laughs> well, I, I guess nobody. But anyway, <laughs> uh, uh, Adam Needham, I guess you're on 89.1 Kids. We're having, a, uh, we're having a lot of time. Basically, sir, you're saving our bacon. So uh, uh, you got uh, time to stick around a little longer? Sure. Now, how about uh, how about dude, like doing like uh, um, uh, a book on like something else, like Rod Roddy, or even like Peter Tamarkin? You know, he his life ended tragically. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, Peter might be an interesting story. Rod is an especially interesting story because a lot of people don't know the backstory on Rod, which was Rod was essentially a shock jock before he went to those prices. Right now, it's very strange to imagine the guy wearing the glittering tuxedos yelling, come on down, doing that kind of video, but it was controversial. There. You know, it, it, it is interesting to know that Rod courted controversy and quite a bit of it during his career because he was also the announcer for Soap, which several ABC affiliates would not carry when that show first went on the air. So, yeah, uh, an interesting and pretty three-dimensional figure in uh, game show history, I think. Yeah, Rod would be a good you know, it. You know, it's funny you mentioned soap. You know, uh, uh, I got to uh, uh, meet Billy Crystal when he was here uh, for the Roger Maris Golf Tournament, and uh, we kind of talked oh, cool. a little bit. Of course, you know, he directed 61, and we talked to him a little bit about soap, and he told me some stories about that. Yeah. I, I think we and, have time uh, for them if you want to share one. Well, you know, I'll tell you what. One thing is um, – uh, I, I went up to Billy Crystal. I mentioned to him, uh, I, I, I said, hello, uh, Mr. Crystal. Uh, I, I'm professionally known as the icon. And, uh, you know, then uh, they had, like, this little, uh, this, like, kidding contest for, like, uh, uh, wiffle balls or whatever. And uh, he, he watched me swing it, and I didn't hit a thing. And then he came up to me, so your name is Icon now? So when you were, uh, when you were playing sports in uh, high school, was your name Pick Him Last? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The connection that I have to Billy Crystal, and it's a distant one, was uh, Billy uh, attended my college, Marshall University, uh, in Marshall in Huntington, West Virginia, for one year, and he was there on a baseball scholarship. And then they took the scholarship away because they killed the baseball program. So we could have had bragging rights about having Billy Crystal as an alum, but yeah. Well, you know, I, I I'll tell you what, that'd be that would be cool. But like I say, Billy Crystal just a regular guy, a nice guy, and I also got to meet yeah. his daughter, Crystal. And um, oh, one thing we forgot to cover: if uh, our fans want to get your books, where can they get your books at? A uh, couple of places to find them. Like I said, uh, easiest thing to do is do do a search for my name, Adam Needeff, N-E-D-E-F-F. Uh, I'm uh, I'm available at uh, Amazon. I'm available at Barnes and Noble's website, and you can buy my book also directly from the publisher at BearManorMedia.com. B-E-A-R Manor M-A-N-O-R Media.com. Well, I'll tell you what, man. You have been so awesome, and I appreciate you 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 staying for another thirty minutes. Uh, you are awesome, sure. and I'm glad that you were uh, you were here. And uh, if we haven't scared you away too much. Uh, with all the sound effects and all the other good stuff, uh, we'd, uh, would you be wanting to join us again? Absolutely, yeah. 
All right. Well, I'll tell you what, man. Yeah, no, I, so I, I'm glad I was able to help you fill some time during a period where there's absolutely nothing going on in the wrestling business. No, I, I know I was really <laughs> to fill some time. Right, right. And, uh, you know, I'll tell you what, uh, next week's guest, his name is Phil Time. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, Adam, thank you so much. You are wonderful, and we appreciate you. Thank you. Sure thing. All right. Take yeah, care, awesome, Thank you. All right. Yep. All right. Now that was uh that was fun. Uh, and uh unfortunately our se- our second guest stiffed us. Uh we have our top of the hour break coming up and that's gonna fire here in a little bit, and when that does, uh we'll be back with our third guest, which is actually gonna be our second guest, and uh, that'll save us time at the end for some other good stuff. So when the when the top of the hour break fires, we'll go to that. And then we'll come back and then we'll have some more fun of this uh, shenanigans and everything else that you can talk about, entertainment value. Uh, And uh, we'll uh, see if we can uh, talk a little bit more about uh, the black tent and uh, talk about Matthias' injury and uh, uh, talk about uh, some of the other stuff that we got going on. Uh, It has been confirmed, ladies and gentlemen, that uh, April 1st is going to be a big show for us. I usually don't like to talk about uh, what we have coming up, but I got to let everybody know this. April 1st, uh, we are going to have Al Pacino's stepmom on with us. We are going to have James Gandolfini's son on with us. And we're going to have Bobby the Brain Heenan's daughter on with us. Oh, man. So, uh, yeah, and uh, uh, the way I understand it, Scott, you'll be uh, doing uh, co-hosting duties at least until October, right? Yep, that's correct. Mm-hmm. All right, and uh, we're, we we still got an hour to go here. Uh, like I said, just waiting for this commercial break to go, and when it does, we'll come back after it, and we'll uh, we'll have some. We'll see what uh, kind of fun and mischief we can have next hour. So. And uh, also, hey, Luke, we want to thank you for uh, uh, taking time out of your schedule to join us again. We, are, we oh, appreciate yeah, you. know. No, That's nowhere I'd rather be. I, this, is the, this is the place. I love it. All right. And, uh, <laughs> Great. Always, always good catching uh, up with the icon. Right. You know, and hopefully I'll be able to meet you when uh, we uh, start filming the Black Tent. You know, uh, right now I'm in the works of getting my new um, new and improved uh, mug shot so I can uh, <laughs> send it your way. Um, uh, you know, I'll be getting one tomorrow done actually with the help of uh, a great filmmaker, Scott. And, you know, so uh, good things in the works. I'll have those uh, autographs and, uh, you know, snapshots of my, my uh, not-so-swing-blade-ish haircut, but, um, you know, almost there. Party <laughs> business in the front, party in the back. Well, you know, I'll tell you what. Uh, in the works as well. Well, you know, I'll tell you what. Everybody knows that I could brag about Scott Hand all day long, and I know uh, all day long for hours on end. And I'm sure he's probably sick of hearing the same thing over and over again. Uh, but hey, let me ask you this: It was worth sending the blank checks, you know? Uh, so uh, here's what we're gonna do. Let's go I ahead this, and Scott, Icon, Icon, you haven't told everybody that there's checks included. What was that? A multi-picture deal. My lawyer told me about the fine print. And, oh, and, yeah, and uh, also the uh, the tap dancing scene that we got to film too. Yeah, I'm, I'm still trying to figure out how to get that in there for you. Have you been practicing? Well, you know, I'll tell you. It's like I keep telling everybody. Uh, you know, 
Uh, I used to, I, I had to stop tap dancing because I didn't want to fall in the sink. Uh, <laughs> so uh, we'll be back uh, right after these messages, so stick with us, everybody, and we will be back. And we are back here. Hey, let's uh, bring Matthias on here. Uh, Matthias, we're waiting for our next guest. Uh, kind of give us a little update on your injury and what's going on with that. Well, as uh, everybody knows, as of uh, May of last year, I have suffered <clears throat> a knee injury. I dislocated my patella full on and tore a few ligaments inside of my kneecap area. Uh, for the past almost year now, I've been uh, doing rehab uh, I've I've actually gotten off the physical um, the physical therapy. I stopped doing that a while back, and I've just been doing exercises daily, wearing my braces every day, all that kind of stuff, just to keep the kneecap intact while the muscles uh, tend to rebuild themselves. Uh, as of right now, I've got two permanently unstable kneecaps, which means I could literally, after this show, walk up the steps to go to my car, and my knee could dislocate, and it could go out completely just at complete random. Um, every step I take is dangerous. Uh, I have I have popped it out, literally just stepping out. Like literally, I'll remember I was I was rolling out of the ring after a match, and I think the from the floor to the top of the mat or the top of the ring is not even not even four feet. I think I'm not sure exactly the height. I can't remember. But I literally just put my foot on the ground, and my knee popped. It just dislocated. Oh. Right then and there, went in and out super quick, and that took me out of contention. So literally every single day, I have two permanently unstable kneecaps, and until I get full-blown knee surgery, either I get full-blown knee surgery or I get my ligaments retightened, and that's going to take about, gosh, I don't even know. There, Well, if it ever dislocates again, I've got to drill through my femur and insert a cadaver bone in there to keep my kneecap straight, but that will take me well out of, I think, over a year of competition uh, just so I could uh, keep that stable and really work that in. So it would be, uh, it would be devastating, uh, but every single day, like I said, is, is a blessing that I'm still able to walk, but it's also very dangerous where my knee could just go at any point in time. That's, that's terrible. So does that that that's going to affect your day to day work too, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. Um, that's why I wear the braces, and that's why if my knee starts to hurt, um, basically what will happen was um, I would try to bend it, and I would get a shooting pain inside of it, like somebody stuck a, you know, like how you get a, like a bone spur. Basically, I've got bone spurs in there too. So if those get in the right position, they block the connection point, so if I try to bend my knee, it just feels like stuff's poking in there. Um, if that ever happens, I've got to sit for a little bit and just stretch it and try to make sure that everything goes back to the way it was. Other than that, I just keep on working through the pain, and, and I really watch how I walk, how I lift. I just really got to pay attention to where my knees are at because <clears throat> I've blown out my knee at work before, literally just getting out of the truck. And that, that took me off of two days of work. And it wasn't anything I could control. It's just that's what happened until the swelling went down. 
So, and and it was and it was uh and I'm not going to sit here and talk crap. I'm not going to sit here and shoot, but this these injuries were uh, of somebody doing this on purpose. This was not an accident. Uh this was not uh this was premeditated and does it make me upset? Yes. Uh but do I have to move on? Yeah, basically. And uh, also the fact that, um, you know, you, uh, I, I can understand if you would hold a grudge on this. I mean, any, I think anybody would. But you have you let it go, or is it still griping on you? Well, you know, I feel it every day. It's not like, oh, you, you landed on me wrong and you broke my arm and I was out for six months, but now the bone's sealed. This is a permanent thing until I get a full-blown knee surgery or I get the cadaver bone in or I get my ligaments retightened. So until I get surgery, my knees are screwed. My knees are done. Until I get surgery and then I got to rehab and then I got to get everything healed. And like I said, if I get my ligaments retightened, like, you know, um, they were telling me a story one time about how this high schooler, uh, wanted to go back into for football for the season. So he went and got his ligaments retightened and he was out for an entire season and then had to come back the next one um, because they said he just couldn't play with his knee. So if this was like, oh, you landed on me wrong and you you slightly, you know, if this was an accident, I could understand. But knowing that this is a permanent thing now and it was premeditated, um, I do let it, I'm letting it go, but I choose not to interact with the person I try to stay away from them as much as possible. For instance, like, did they ever contact me when I was going through all this rehab? No. Did they ever contact me when I was doing the seven months of physical therapy straight each and every day for three hours a day? No. Did they ever try to reach out and see how I was doing in general? No. Uh, did this cost me a lot of bookings with the company and even permanent bookings with the company I started with? Yes. And am I okay with that? Absolutely not. But I can't let it sit here and just dwell within me. Um, yes, it bothers me, and yes, I will never be okay with what they did, but I will not let it sit here and, and, and cloud my judgment uh, each and every day towards everybody else and my future that I've got to focus on. Well, you know, I'll tell you, just just by the way that, you know, you've described that and you you, you talk about it, it kind of, I, you know, I'll tell you what, I was at a loss of words. Uh, uh, yeah, folks, believe it or not, I can be at a loss of words sometimes, too, uh, which I know is hard to believe uh, with some people. Wait till I get on set. You'll find out the, the difference of that. But, you know, when we, had, when we had Granny on here a couple of weeks ago, I was speechless with what she was telling me. And the way that you're, you're – what you're telling me also, you know, and, you know, I don't know why this kind of stuff affects me. The reason why it does is one thing that we've learned here, uh, you know, going back to 2020, tomorrow's not guaranteed. And I, mm. I, I, don't, want to, I don't want to be a preacher here, but it, it's a true thing. Yeah, absolutely. That's absolutely true, yeah. You know, but one thing that is guaranteed is how often we will be here to entertain you every single week. With uh, Scott Hand and uh, uh, Luke, he's always using the force when he's here, and Matthias, the, the nightmare. And, um, 
uh, I, Luke, I'm sure you've never heard that before, have you? Use the force? Hey, hey, I don't mind that, and I don't mind eating 50 eggs in an hour either. <laughs> that's a little, that's a little Paul Newman reference right there. Well, you can't sit down in a stormtrooper costume with a canister. Anyway. <laughs> with our next guest, the legend, as they say. So stick with us after these messages, all right? (laughs) You kids there? Stepping out of the green room live from the Glow Girl Studios. She is the one that, she's the reason why the ratings were as high on that show as it is. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, I give you at this time, she is Hollywood. How are you, Hollywood? Hey. How are you? Good. Uh, I was I was uh, expecting the uh, the uh, the liner, but we can uh, do it at the end if you want. I would do it lovely now. Would you like me to do it now? Sure, go ahead. Hey, this is Hollywood. You're listening to the Attitude Era Monday Live Mondays on eighty nine point one Kins FM. Your hosts are the icon with the big swing and. Also featuring Scott, the director hand, and the modern nightmare Matthias. Well, I'll tell you what it's it's good to uh, it's good to have you with us. We want to thank you for taking out time out of your schedule here. Uh, so, should we refer to you as uh, Miss Hollywood, or do you have another name we should be utilizing? I don't. Hollywood is fine, you guys. That would be great. All right. Well, you know, I'll tell you what. What I. What I love about uh, what I love about you, and here's how we'll do this. Uh, I will. Uh, I'm going to do a quick. Uh, uh, I'll have you uh, give us a background about yourself, and then we'll do. Uh, I'll ask you a few questions, and we'll do a roundtable, and then we'll come back and uh, I'll ask you the tougher questions. So go ahead with the background first. All right. So um, the background goes. Uh, audition for Glow. And that was 1985. Um, lots of women trying out for the show. They needed 12 girls for a pilot. And I'll cut to the chase because I know we don't have, like, because I could go on and on. Uh, but I was one of the 12 that they kept for the pilot, and they named my character Hollywood and had me with uh, another girl named, well, Janet, who was my partner, Vine, and we did the pilot. 1985, December, in Las Vegas, went back to my job again, and then I hear from them in January, and they're like, uh, we're picked up, pack your bags, and you are moving to Vegas. 
So there's that right there for 1985. And really, I did the pilot, and then I did all four seasons of the show. And I am the only one that did the pilot in all four seasons. There are two other girls that did four seasons, and that would have been Mountain Fiji and Nanuchka. But they weren't the pilot girls. So I'm the only one that stuck it out. <laughs> and I'm probably well, the only one that continued it to this day still wrestling. So when you were when you were on Glow Girls and uh you know it's uh you know it was basically a wrestling show with uh gorgeous women uh some that I wish I could date and would never have the chance uh I <laughs> I'd, I'd have to buy. I'd have to buy all the gals to watch just to get the time of day. But anyway, that's another story. Uh, when uh, when you were doing when you were doing the show on wrestling, did you uh, did you ever attempt to want to get uh, like uh, go further like into like the WWE or WCW? Yeah, that's a great question. So I will tell you that I did all those four seasons. So from. 86, you guys, all the way to 89, almost 1990, no break anywhere. And I was just like, so we're done. The show's over with. There's no more money being put into the show. My first reaction was at first, shit, what am I going to do, right, for a job? Then the other part of me said, oh, my gosh, I can go out and party with my friends, and I don't have a curfew, I don't have to do this, we're not on tour, I can have a boyfriend, I can have something steady in my life, and I was just like, oh, no more wrestling, no more. But then I had an agent um, who said to me, hey, uh, back then it was WWF, they're in town, and there's an audition for the show, you need to go. Well, I was right in the middle of a broken leg. I broke my leg and uh, in three places, and I still wasn't healed, so I was still limping. I get in the ring. I remember Jim Ross down there uh, talking to me, asking me, they're asking me questions. Who trained you? I'm like, uh, Mondo Guerrero trained me. And they're like, ooh, writing all these notes. I get in the ring with one of their guys, start wrestling, and they're asking me more and more questions, like they're very interested in. I don't lie. I always say, you know, the truth. I didn't want to get somewhere and say, oh, my leg's broken. Well, why? You, you know what I mean? So I looked at them. I said, you guys, I said, I just want to let you know the reason I'm wearing these sweats because my leg is so atrophied. I'm right in the middle of a broken leg. That was it. It was like the record scratch. Bye. <laughs> but in, now, in my eyes, guys, in my eyes, I just wasn't ready to want to wrestle in that capacity. I'm like, I'm burnt out. You know, and I know some people today would be go, oh my God, but I mean, I was, you know, four years, I needed a little break. And then of course, after I healed, I said I was never going to step in the ring again. And what did I do? Went straight back into the ring, you know, and then I started working independent companies all through uh, California, uh, couple of things on the East Coast, and I remember one show somewhere in Texas, but yeah, and then I started my own company, and I started, I'm going to get my own girls, and I'll get my own, you know, and we'll do something else, so, and then I did a lot of conventions, which I still do today, a lot of wrestling conventions, LA Comic Con, um, WonderCon's coming up, um, another independent, Indianapolis, excuse me, Chicago, East, I think it's Somewhere in Illinois, East Moline, I think. I don't know, but I am honored to have people, the promoters call me still and say, hey, 
do you want to sign autographs here for our show? So I, I love that, and I love our fans. You know, without them, I wouldn't be talking to you guys right now. Well, well you know, I am I am one of your biggest fans, and I uh, always will be. Uh, uh, we have uh, Hollywood as our guest here. We've got about uh, 32 minutes here left with Hollywood. So here's what we're going to do here. Let's uh, introduce you to uh, my first co-host, and we'll go over to the Nightmare, and then we'll uh, come back to me and I'll ask you a tougher question. But first off, I want to introduce you to Scott, the director hand. What do you got, Scott? Go ahead. Hi, Scott. What was, hi. What was the best <laughs> thing about Glow for you? Mmm. That is a good, good question. What was the best thing? I think. You know what? The best thing really was is you know you're doing your job when, one, you're getting booed because I'm a heel. So if they're booing you, you know you're, you're doing really well. But then the best, the, another feeling is when the match is over and you have lost and the referee is raising the baby face's hand, and they're booing her. And then I put my hands up, and they're like up in their seats. So you know, it was very interesting. It was good to be bad, or bad to be, yeah, good to be bad, I would say. Uh, you know, just <laughs> and our fans. And our now, did fans, you, have any, you guys. Now, did you have any questions for me? Because I know we started talking before this, and I think you were going to hold some questions until tonight. Oh, I'm supposed to ask you questions. Uh, I think you were going to ask me. Remember, we were yeah, talking that's about, fine. You, we were, you're my, you're my, you're the, the horror director, right, producer? That's, that's me. Yeah, that's really cool. <laughs> you like horror stuff. films? I, thought, I love them, and I like even more ridiculous ones on top of just our classics. Like I watched Thinguli uh, on Saturday nights, and she has some winners. Let me tell you. <laughs> well, I mean, do you, you like the, so let me ask you this though, Hollywood? Do you like the yeah. scary ones, or you just like them real schlocky? I like both, really. Okay. You know, the scarier, the better. But then it starts getting weird when it's like Saw. You know, those weird uh, yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. torture the victim. I'm not into. I don't. Yeah. I don't like that. You mean no? No, I don't. I don't like that weird stuff there. But nah, uh, your classic horror. It, like Nosferatu would be my favorite vampire. I mean, look at really? what he The old like. one, the, the silent film? Yes! Yes! Mm-hmm. Love it. Okay. freaking believable That's super Well, let me scary. ask you this. Like, what, like, what would you really... I mean, is Nosferatu, that's the movie you would be considered, like, the scariest you've ever seen? Creepy. That's for sure. He's just creepy looking. Um, you know what? Well, you Halloween know they, when I was growing up, Halloween was super scary for me because I was babysitting yeah, about that same mm-hmm. time. You know, I think Michael's going to be hiding you know, in a dark corner somewhere. You know, when you were talking about Nosferatu, I don't know if you ever saw the TV miniseries of Salem's Lot, uh, but they made the Barlow vampire look very much like Nosferatu. In that and that was okay, really now scary. I have to watch, now I got to go back and watch that. I did not because I get weirded yeah. out on stuff that they retry to do, and you're like, ah, is it going to be cheesy? Is it going to, yeah. you know, yeah. not do it justice? But now I will check it out. Yeah, yeah. I always thought that one was, especially like Nosferatu, because I always thought it was it was really uh, it was really cool how they. I mean, because you know, Nosferatu the one you like was black and white and silent film. And then this was, I'm talking like 1979, so you're getting a color version, you know, with the glowing you oh. know, yellow eyes and oh. the blue face and, 
you know, and it's uh, they really Maybe made I saw some of that. You know, I, as a kid, I watched. Yeah. You know, we, I got another TV. We had another black and white in my room. Of course, there's the family television in the living room here in the 70s, you know, 80s, uh-huh. and I've got a black and white one in my room, and I would just go in there. And on Saturdays and Sundays, matinees would be someone. Someone would come on in the afternoon, and I'd sit there oh, and you mean watch like the creature every double feature. Right, remember? Yes. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. And then there was you, a big you bill. Television. You must have been rich. <laughs> no, we were not by any chance rich. Who knows where we got that? I, no, very middle class family. That, yeah. that was my uh, that was my back to Italian the dinner on Friday. Italian <laughs> dinner on Saturday, like spaghetti and meatballs on Sunday. <laughs> uh, you know, I'll tell you what. If that if that was your meals on Saturday and Sunday, I definitely could have survived in your house. I would had I would have been uh, happy having spaghetti and watching black and white TV. Uh, we have Hollywood as our guest here on 89.1 KMZ FM. We've got uh, 26 minutes here. Uh, we'll go to Luke in just one second. But first off, I want to bring on the modern nightmare, Matthias. He's a wrestler as well, and uh, he's kind of a soft-spoken individual. And I know that he's got a few questions. Uh, so uh, go ahead, Matthias. What do you got? Well, yes, you are talking to the man from every woman's greatest dream and every man's worst nightmare, North Dakota's number one heel, current reigning, defending, undisputed APW World Heavyweight Champion and NSC World Tag Team Champion and soon-to-be NSC World Heavyweight Champion, Rudo's All-Weight Champion. The following announcement has been paid for by the New World Order. An honorary member of the New World Order, Matthias, welcome on to my part of the program. As a fellow wrestler, and as Icon was kind of mentioning, you yes, me I am, I am uh, 30 years young. old. Exactly. <laughs> okay, um, youngster. I'm ready. So as my main question to you would be, as Icon was kind of talking, um, in regards to your career, uh, what was one thing – that you saw yourself throughout, like, when developing your career and getting training and stuff like that, what was one thing that you would say that you kind of struggled on a little bit that you needed to really work on? And what is one thing that you kind of were advanced on or it was easy for you to to, to attach to and just get moving with it? Excel. Yeah, well, first say. of all, when you're only 20, that's maybe not, there might be a couple of things there because when you're 21 years old and you've not been a wrestler or or really watched the wrestling and you're learning, you're fearless. And I say that a lot. You're totally fearless, and so you're going to do everything. You're going to do as much as you can. Uh, the one thing that I wish that we I would have had is more training. Mondo left after I don't know after I was trained, he was gone. And then we had another trainer in there that was really training all the new girls. So my training, I had you guys, seriously, there were some trainers, but they weren't Mondo. There were girls that were wrestlers training the girls. And so for me, I started watching WWF and like, okay, somebody just did a flying head scissor. I have to do that. So I had to kind of teach myself. And so to me, if we just had a little bit more time, and more trainers to train us, that would have made a lot of difference for everybody. And, and then another one was um, the no fear. I, you just don't. 
I, you know, you just go for it. And I never got hurt, knock on wood, there. The broken leg came after glow, you guys. All right, that was way after. Um, but during glow, there was no injuries at all. Uh, and then finally, my third thing that I will say, I know you said one, but you know what? When you finally have developed the character and you figure out who the heck is this villain, Hollywood, when you finally have that, then you can look at the audience in their eyes and you can just look at them and go, give me a belt. I need your belt. So I can, you know, I would take their belts, take their drinks, drink it. I did a lot of things. I hid stuff underneath the ring. I would ask cameraman to put down certain wires so that I could pull them up. You know, you just, instead of me giving 100%, I always gave them 110%. Nice. But I knew that that's how a character would just, I, I don't know, I call it instinct. You just kind of figure out that you have to take it up another notch. You, you just do. You have to have a package. That's what I think. Gotcha. And then uh, I also would agree with the whole thing. It's like when you first get started out, you're fearless and you're not really afraid to do a lot of this stuff. Um, there's mm-hmm. a lot of things in wrestling that I never thought I would actually ever do. Uh, but I just, you know, did it and I enjoyed it. Um, in regard, and you said you had broke your leg. Um, right. For me, when I when I got when I injured my knee, um, of course, you know, you always have your bruised up body, your your cuts, your yes. bumps, your bruises, that kind of thing. Yep. So you're always yep. beating yourself up. But uh, when I actually when I injured my knee uh, last year, when I got uh, when I when I've got two permanently unstable kneecaps now. Uh, due to a sandbagging incident, but I will, uh, but I'll, I already talked about that earlier, but after that, I've been really, I've been having to be really watchful of what I do in that ring because I'm not really able to do everything I used to. I have to put on horse wrap now and I have to wear my brace just to keep my kneecap from moving because one unstable, like one little unstable movement and that's a dislocated kneecap and then I got to go into a very, very deep surgery. So it's like you've got to be very watchful at that time. Yeah, absolutely. After I healed up, you're right. After I healed up, same thing. I was like, I'm never doing this again. What did I do? But then I babied that. I babied that right leg. Okay, I'm like, things are going to be a little bit different now. You know, it just is what it is. You know, you can't help it. (laughs) Exactly, you can't. And And it's like, you know, you want to do all the things you used to, but then you're like, well, if I uh-uh. do this and it goes wrong again, you know, it's like that. that it's almost true. like, yes. yeah, exactly. The, the thought is constantly in your head of it possibly re-injuring because you know what that yeah. feels like. Like everybody goes, yes. oh, I bet, it, I bet it didn't hurt. It's like, oh, like let me let me do this to you and let, like, let's let it happen to you and see how it feels. It's like that constant thought of, oh, this is going to get hurt again oh, I'm going to pop my knee again. Oh, I'm going to possibly right. break my arm again if I do this. It's like that huh. constant fear is there. Right. You know that pain and, and you don't want to go through it again. Exactly. It, it's almost become, it almost becomes more of a mental challenge than a physical challenge after that. Truly. But, and it's like, and it's like everyone, like, for instance, like I, I, I'm perfectly okay with it. I mean, the means of why it happened, I'm not, but I mean, you know, there's always a chance to get injured in the ring. And, Absolutely. And, yeah. and it's, and you're doing, and I'm doing something I love, so I'm not going to sit here and and get mad about it. It's like I'm doing something I've been passionate about for the past 11 years, and I, I mean, I've been passionate about it for years beyond that. But I've actually been in the ring for 11 years, 
And That's great. I, I'm going to go to the wheels fall off, basically. Hey, I got 30. I got lots of years ahead of you, young man. <laughs> well, I've uh, it's I faced, great. Uh, and, 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 that, and that's the one good thing, too. It's because, and everybody goes, oh, old age, like, older means, like, less uh, able to go. It's like, uh-uh, I've wrestled, I wrestled Ricky Morton. I've wrestled, mm. I've wrestled, many, I've wrestled people that have been in the business for one month. I've wrestled people that have been in the business for one year. I've wrestled people in the mm-hmm. business that have been here for 20, 30, 40 plus years. And they I still love go. it. That's and right. It's, it's all in here. Always, you know what? It's, Go, go ahead. ahead. No, go. Well, Matthias, didn't you say that uh, you could take Hollywood? I mean, you know. Oh, I can't wait. Let's do it. I'm ready. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm more than willing to. Like I said, I'm, I'm willing to take on anybody and everybody. And the one good thing about it is after you're done fighting them, when you're right. done doing your, your, your art in the ring, you can sit down and talk with them and either – listen to stories that they have or, or critiques that they have. Because the one thing you got to do is you got to be able to accept criticism. Absolutely. And if I, you can't do that in this business, then get out, right? Exactly. And it's like yeah. I mean, people, We love you know, criticism. That's the best thing, you know? It's exactly. A, it, I, yes, because we learn and you never stop learning. Someone told me, when you're done learning, you're dead. You know what I mean? So... Exactly There's, right. You know that's what I mean? One, you're dead. Once you thought that you know everything, then you're dead. But we don't. So we can continue to keep learning. I learn something new all the time. And I think that's – in trying to tell young people to, like, like yourself, hey, I did this and this happened and blah, blah, blah. You should do this and you should do that. At least listen to those people because it's like your mom and dad. You hate to go, oh, they were right. You know, when your mom and dad said stuff to you guys, you know, you're like, Oh shoot! They were really right, and you just didn't even want to hear it. Exactly. So if somebody it, has something to say, listen and just take it with a you know. It, it, there's probably a lot of truth to it. I learned my exactly. lesson. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, and I've I've gotten to sit down with the likes of uh, the Rock and Roll Express. I've gotten to sit down oh, with the cool. likes of, of Paul Heyman. And you've been face to face with Eric Bischoff. Yep, I've gotten to talk to Eric oh, Bischoff. Wow. Yeah, I've gotten to I've and gotten to talk Hollywood to from the gorgeous ladies of wrestling. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And now you're and now wow. you're included. Unfortunately, yeah, you're the highlight. Well, unfortunately, it's not in person. But I mean, getting to talk to people that have been in the business longer than I have, um, and getting to mm-hmm. talk like with them yeah. being in the big leagues versus being in indies, and especially with all the criticism, because I've seen people that that have gotten so mad about criticism, like they've lost bookings. They've gotten up oh, and they yeah. quit wrestling. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yep. you really got to respect the people that have come before you because <laughs> that have they know the what it's like. Before you. Yes. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I agree. You've got, you've got to respect uh, you got the good, road. That's you know what? That's a good attitude. That is a really good attitude, and I, and I love that. And I think people that have those attitudes, you know, and give 100%, 110, they're, they're the ones that are going to go, that are going to keep, you know, and, and, Trotting and, and, ahead and, of all of us, you know? Exactly. And, Laying and down more. And it, it has been an honor to follow in the footsteps of the likes of these guys because, I mean, I get to I get to say, hey, I watched them as a kid. I got to watch them perform this art, and now I either get to, A, learn from them, or I get to actually step in the ring with them and see what they've got. And it's been That's awesome. And That's like a, a dream come true for you. 
You know what exactly. I mean? From it's being a little kid wanting to do it, and now you're doing it. Exactly. And it was like I never even thought, like, growing up that I was going to be able to do it. Like, I watched it. I'm like, holy cow, like, this is awesome. But, like, you know, I never thought, I'm like, oh, I'll watch this, and it'll be my hobby. Well, then I finally stepped in the ring, and I hit those ropes for the mm-hmm. first time, and it's an instant addiction. <laughs> instant I addiction. love it. That's right. It's it been, just is. You love what you do. Exactly. exactly. And that's what I promote still. I still do stuff. I'm always at those conventions. I'll still wrestle at my own company. I was in Los Angeles last week, and I was in the ring there. And it's just, if you love what you do, you continue, and people will say, hey, Hollywood, how long are you going to do this? You know what I say? I will continue to do it till my body says I can't do it anymore. And your body will tell you. Trust me. Well, your body does. When I'm done, you guys, I had four matches, and I could feel it. I, uh, and I always feel it like right uh, shoulders behind, you know, your back behind there, like from pulling, you know, and I can't explain it, but I think that's usually where I'm most sore is yeah. you're behind your back shoulders and, usually. And then my, la- my mm. last question to follow would be is the moment, like, and, and this is going to be a very tough moment for me when I officially have to say, you know, it, like Goodbye. I, I'm going to – I'm going to try to make it up in the big leagues. I'm going to do everything I can, but if it, you know, it just doesn't work out and the world pushes me a different direction and my body finally says, Hey, enough's enough. You've got to call it quits or this is going to happen. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like that's going to be the absolute like worst day of my life. What was it like for you when you finally had to say, you know, enough's enough, no more getting in the ring. You can't, your body can't go anymore. But I mean, you can maybe do still stuff outside, but you can't go in anymore. Like, what would, what, well, what, did, what well, did you think? Well, if that happens to me, I have oh, a great run at it. But I'd still like to be in the business. And you know what? You could always be behind the scenes. You know, you could be a manager That's- for somebody. Yeah, and I would do that. If you love it that much, you'll continue. You know, oh, you, I, I got to tell you, though, Matthias, I was just in the right place at the right time because there was already a lot of women pro wrestlers all over the place that were, you know, doing the indie scene that were just fantastic, you know, and they could have been in glow, but it just, like I said, I was just in the right place at the right time. And, 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 and that's what was like the coolest thing for me ever. And just, and when, so for you, what I'm saying is continue in it, you know, be a manager for somebody, and I think that would be really good. But, of course, let me tell you what will happen. You'll be the manager, and then you're going to say, shit, I want to be in this ring so bad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's exactly and that's what people are asking me. That's exactly what people have yeah. been asking me. They're like, well, when, you're, when, when you can't go anymore, like, what are you going to be thinking? It's like, you know, I would love to go and be by you the will. ring and interact, <laughs> but it's like, but you're going to keep, keep saying, like, man, I wish I could be in there. Like I, I could oh, be in there. Are. I want to be in there, but I can't. And it's and, right. And, I think about all me, the time. It, yes. Yeah. Well, I'm talking and, about and, and like when I'm watching the big shows. When I'm when I'm watching WWE and I'm seeing the girls in there, I just all of a sudden I get that super excited feeling of being inside the ring, and I'm looking at them. I'm like, I did that. I could do that. Well, that was you know what I mean. You get this rush of what if. What if I had yeah. a chance to go back in? Could you do it, Jeannie? Yeah. 
I, I could on my, you know what I mean? You won't be seeing me doing a hurricanrana off the third rope, no. No, but, probably not. Uh, Hollywood's our no, guest here. No, you about not that be seeing that, but I'm talking about pounding the ground hard and, and just doing what you do. I, I mean, I did it for so long, you know? It, it's it's like, um, it is. And you know what? When you step in the ring like that and you have your repertoire of holds or whatever you do, you know, I never run out of, uh, what am I going to do next type of thing. You know, I'm always, it goes into something, you know, I, I can't, I, I, you know what I'm talking about, I think. Um, well, but I love it because I'll wrestle people who are brand new and they, you know, that don't have a lot of experience. So sometimes I'll go, watch me. And then I want you, it just depends on what what we're doing. I go, I, I want you to do the same thing that I'm doing. And I like to see if they can do it or not, you know. But, yeah. The, the training is really important. Let's just put it that way because nobody wants to get hurt. I don't want to get hurt. And that's the one thing that I get scared of at this age right now. Oh, my gosh. Because you know what's going to happen to me if I break something? It's going to take me ten times longer to heal than it would be you or her, you know, with the younger Absolutely. ones. Right, guys? I don't know how, how young or old you guys are, but I'm just saying, older people take a long – so I cannot get hurt. I don't want to get hurt, knock on wood. So I try to make sure that Hollywood is safe at all times. And Hollywood's uh, Hollywood. our guest here. We've got, uh, we got about 16 minutes left here, and uh, we've got to remember to try and keep it as PG as possible. Uh, yes, no seven-second delay, uh, just to uh, remember that. Uh, uh, before we go, come back to me here, like I said, we got about uh, 15 minutes left. Uh, Luke, you got a question for Hollywood? Uh, yeah. Well, well um, I, I wanted to note, um, Hollywood. It sounds like when you were talking about that finding like that flow, um, it's almost like the. Um, it's got, I mean, is that, is that what you were kind of um, speaking on? Or like, like when you when you're in a rhythm and you just kind of connect the moves together and yes. they just kind of flow together and it's like exactly comes That's natural. Exactly. Like you're in the perfect moment of uh, right. kind of like Euphoria in combat. Um, I, I, I understand like what you're bike. saying. That's you know awesome. I mean, it's like you're it's riding a, a bike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah and you're, it you sounds like you're just a great. You're you're natural, you know, and uh, that's awesome. And, um, uh, it sounds like you also are very much self-taught as far as um, uh, you know, yes. you, you After uh, Mondo, trying yeah. to you you had to do a lot of things, baptism by fire, so to speak. Um, that's that's a lot of credit there, also. Um, but. Uh, yeah, what, do you have anything that you like to, that, that any rituals or anything that you particularly uh, have to have on the road for you, like that you take with you every time that you just kind of mm. need to, to you know, yeah, like when you're getting ready to pack? <laughs> yeah, yeah, anything that. <laughs> um, no, I really don't. I just, as long as I have my gear and stuff, my rings, my jewelry has to be off. That cannot be on, obviously. Nails <laughs> have to be cut shorter, you know. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, I just, that's funny because some people do do that. They have a rabbit's foot yeah. or whatever of something. <laughs> Someone told me the other day they had a, um, they, they had a, um, uh, Lizzie Hell from Hellstorm told me the other night that she had a, uh, an arrowhead. She goes, you can take an arrowhead on the plane. She goes, you can have scissors, <laughs> but you can have an arrowhead. She goes, and I cut stuff with the arrowhead. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so funny. <laughs> So I think I'm going to get an arrowhead, you guys, because I used to collect those as a kid. So, so Hollywood, with so that being said, when you go to the uh, when you go to these conventions and Comic-Cons and whatnot, yeah. uh, in your dressing room, you don't expect to have a bowl full of nothing but green M&M. <laughs> no, that's kids. They just want to make sure that people are listening or reading to their, that they're reading those writers. That's the only reason they do that. 
<laughs> you know, I, I'm happy-go-lucky, you guys. Uh, you know, I, I'm just whatever. Water is fine. You know, maybe a Diet Coke, but I try to stay away from that, too. I try to be healthy. You've got to be healthy, and you have to get sleep. I'm sorry. Mm. You've got to have well, some rest. Well, I'll tell you what, I, I um, with, with the schedule I live, I don't know what sleep is. I, I average, and I'm not, I'm not just saying this is true. Uh, I average maybe two, two and a half hours of sleep a day if I'm lucky. I can't do that. No. Uh, what are you, only 20? Are you 20? <laughs> I'm 40, I just turned 46. Well, good for you. Uh, I can't thank, do that. Thank, not to have to thank, you, thank you to the invention of monster energy drinks, the green flavor. Uh, anyway, we have Hollywood as our guest here. we got about uh, we got about 13 minutes here with Hollywood. Uh, one thing I do want to talk about uh, so we can uh, help you promote this uh, now, uh, I was looking at this, and I kind of did a double-take. I almost said the wrong thing. Uh, I thought you were uh, you're in a movie called The Lollipop Guild, but actually it's called The Lollipop Gang. Uh, could you tell us about that? I did that. That's quite a few years ago, actually. It was kind of like, um, I want to say like Sopranos, but a very funny version of it. Um, and it was very fun. It was We did that out on the East Coast, and... I had some dialogue that I had to uh, learn, and I hadn't done some dialogue for a while. So, I mean, I'm just used to improvising as the character, but there were some lines that were specifically had to be done, and I did it, and I did a great job, and and it was fun. But it was uh, it wasn't as where's my other friend over here, Scott? It was it was a a very non-union thing, so. Uh, okay. There wasn't a lot of cash involved. There was well, a little. You, in this movie, though, Bob Backlund was in it. Uh, Greg Valentine was in it. Uh, wow. Probably one of my heroes, uh, Erica Elenek, was in it. Ox Baker. Oh, that's that. That you know what? That's a different movie. That's three hundred and sixty. What is that? Three sixty-five days. Is that what that's called? That's that well, movie. It, well, according to this, it says uh, coming out in twenty twenty-four. The Lollipop Gang. Mm-hmm. Uh, an hour okay. and 30 minutes, a dark comedy about a uh, no-name wannabe Rhode Island gangster by the name of Nick uh, Sargenta and yeah. his goofy group Sargenta of untalented misfits. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Well, well, they must have changed things as well because um, Christopher always does that. He'll change things up, and you're like, what? What are we doing now? What? What are you doing? You know, so we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens with that. Like I said, we it's been a thing that's been going on and on for a while. Uh, but I was talking to Scott. Where are you, Scott? About, uh, I'm here. Uh-huh. I have a 78-page script that I wrote way before the uh, zombie craze, Deathmatch at oh. Diablo, and I wrote it in class because I was taking a uh, uh, film, like a low-budget filmmaking class, and it was so great. Mm-hmm. I loved it. But anyway, we'll talk about that another time because I could be on that. But autobiography, kids, I want to tell you, I finally, I've been working on the GLOW autobiography for so many freaking years. Um, And uh, end of February, it should be, well, I just have to put the photos in it. But I've got like three pairs of eyes on it, looking at it for uh, obviously punctuation and spelling. But it's very, very cool. I think I'm calling it Hooray for Hollywood, the the Glow original. That's pretty cool. 
Nice. You know, and also, all the way to the end. also some of the other cool things that uh, are uh, to your credit. Uh, you know, you uh, you were uh, you you've also appeared as a stunt woman and an actress in Jag, Days yes. of Our Lives. Married with Children, Saved by the Bell, Larry Sanders Show, and Living Color, Me, Myself, and Rain. I'm just kind of curious, what uh, kind of stunt did you have to do in Saved by the Bell? Did you have to be uh, Screech's love interest? I was a person. No, there was no. Oh, my God. <laughs> what? Uh, you're so funny because he was talking to me on the beach over and over, and he was talking about the actresses there. And, you know, I don't know if everybody got along very well, but, yeah, I remember speaking to him. We were at Santa Monica Beach. But it was fun. Um, the most recent thing, though, that I did do here in Nashville is I was a stunt driver on Nicole Kidman's new uh, Netflix movie. And basically, it's not like I'm more I was a just utility stunt driver. I was a mom that was dropping off her kids at school. And let me just tell you, you know, when you're doing Screen Actors Guild, uh, you know, you have your own trailer, and it's it's very nice. It's a little different than the wrestling that I did with Glow. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that coming out. And I think it's a Netflix movie. As you know, you know and she lives one, here in as well. One thing I also want to circle back to, you kind of mentioned this earlier. Uh, what was it like being trained by Eddie Guerrero's brother? Mondo. He, oh, he was very strict. And at first you just, you didn't really like him because he, there was no laughing there was no making fun of anything. So when you came to training, which was 7 p.m. at night to 10 p.m. after you worked all day, you better do what he says. Because, and we did, you know. And like I said, when I was there, every time I would come back, I noticed there was less and less girls, less and less girls. I'm thinking, where's that chick with the blonde hair? She was really nice. Gone. They were weeding out the girls. And David McLean had said to me, and I've said it all the time, but this is how I secured my place in GLOW. Mondo looked at all of us. He said, which one of you ladies can ram your head in the turnbuckle and land on your back? Okay, we don't know anything, right? I raised my hand first. I'll do it. So there's that fearless thing. And he said, that's what we want. And he goes, in my eyes, Jeannie, he goes, you were the first GLOW girl hired. And that's how I got the character Hollywood. That's awesome. See? We have about uh, we only have about uh, five minutes left in Hollywood. For those of you who listen to our show on a regular basis, if you go to our Facebook page, Attitude Era Monday Live Monday, like that. Do a uh, also go to eighty nine point one Kens FM page like that. Do a ten dollar month donation, Power of the Tower. We'll get you automatically qualified to win an autograph pictures from past guests, current guests, future guests. And if I'm not mistaken, I do believe Hollywood that you're going to send us maybe one or two. Sure, of course I am. Awesome, and I will. Yeah, I, of all course right. I will. Uh, thank you guys for having me on as well. Well, don't leave yet. Yeah, we, we still got a few more minutes with you. I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> I'm I mean, going uh, anywhere you know, in the morning, but, yeah, I'm here. I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because I, you know, I, I, I'm on the show for another half hour, but we won't be doing <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I uh, I mean, you know, I did uh, want to uh, come see it uh, a Comic Con. I can't remember where it was. I think it was like Chicago or something. I was at, and uh, yeah, you know, I was I was going to go to that. Then when I saw uh, the lineup for your table uh, out the door, down the block, and around the corner, I'm right. like. Well, you know, I'll try and book her as a guest on my show. I'll, I'll wait. <laughs> that would be a lot easier. <laughs> <laughs> You're funny. <sighs> 
Very funny. I love it. We just did so, LA uh, Comic Con, and that was great. Three days in Los Angeles at LA Comic Con. We are always so busy. It's amazing. I love it. So, uh, so, uh, so we uh, don't forget this. If our fans want to check out Steve, you got a Facebook, an Instagram, a YouTube, a Twitter, a yes, Twitch, let me a TikTok. Tell you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got all of it. So, Instagram official glow Hollywood. If you're an X, we know that was tri- Twitter. X, um, Glow Hollywood, and then Facebook now is Holly M. Wood. They're very weird over there at Facebook, i got to tell you. I had another one under my real name, and uh, they're just... They think that you're not the person that you are, even when you give them your ID. <laughs> no, that's not you. <laughs> okay, yeah. whatever you say. And they're always yeah. listening and always somewhere on your phone or something. <laughs> popping well, up yeah, <laughs> Like Siri, Alexa, they're in there. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's funny you you mentioned uh, you mentioned IV. Uh, uh, I guess that means you got to be hooked up with a drip. <laughs> <laughs> See, now that's been grueling. Same thing. You and uh, what? I forget his first name again right now. Rick. Right? No, Rich. Rich. <laughs> Yeah, you guys are you guys. He's he, and he loves wrestlers. By the way, did you know that Spinguli? Yeah, yep. he's a huge wrestling. I don't want to call him a Mark, but he's a huge wrestling fan. Uh, maybe I'll be in a show one day. We talked about it. It was during COVID. He goes, I can't have any guests at the moment. I'm like, well, duh, I guess not. <laughs> uh, but he loves wrestlers, so he's a good guy. And, and uh, you guys, you know, one more thing. Wait, before we go, do we have a minute, 60 seconds, 30 seconds? Uh, well, we have, we have exactly three minutes left with you, so go ahead. Oh, good. Well, before the pandemic, you guys, I started making artisan soap, which is handmade soap, and I call it Nashville Botanica or Hollywood Botanica. And it started moving really well, and I also have it in the uh, airport in Nashville, which is kind of cool. They have my soap there. So... There is a um, Instagram for that as well, and that's called Hollywood Botanica, and you spell Botanica with a K, like the band Kiss. Now, Hollywood, I've heard of artisan before, but I've never heard of soap. What is soap exactly? It's not cheese. It's not artisan cheese. It's artisan soap. Okay. Soap is a new concept. One of (laughs) y'all. My bad joke. Pictures and soap. How's that? (laughs) Photos and soap. Well, I'll tell you what. How about this? How about this? Uh, if you could do one autographed picture and one bar of soap from our man cave, that'd be cool. Yes, let's do it. <laughs> I'd love it. I'll do it. You're you got and, it. Uh, and I, I will. I will. Not that you care, but I will. I will. Uh, when you send the autographed bar of soap, what I will do is I will put it in the man cave uh, bathroom, the all sports bathroom, in a. I love it. In a sealed case that says, "Do <laughs> not touch this." I don't know. Yeah, you know, I'll put another little sign on there. Break only in the event of Armageddon. There you go. Oh, no, no, is the soap shaped like little folding chairs? Yeah, that would, be awesome. <laughs> That's great. If you send it to me, I'll even send you a picture. I even have one of those like, yes, like I little, like you uh, too. Because you know what? Because then I'll post hammers. it. 
You know those little hammers yes. that they use to yes. uh, to ring the bell? I'm going to tape. The, yes. I'm going to put that <laughs> on the box. Like and say, break only in the arm, the uh, in the breakout of Armageddon. That's the only time you can break this seal. That's great. <laughs> No, I can't. You yeah, had to open your I'm mouth just like me when I was little, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm like, God, I never known to be so territorial. <laughs> well, I, I'll, tell you what, uh, I'll tell you what, Hollywood, you have been awesome, and uh, we do appreciate uh, you joining us. We actually booked you on the show about a year and two weeks ago, uh, so oh, we were able to finally get this done. We do appreciate you. We love you, and thank you for joining us. Uh, thank you guys so much for having me, and have a great night, and we will see you soon, I hope. We You're right awesome, here. Hollywood. All right, good night, everybody. Have a good one. Thanks for having me on. Good night. All right, that was Bye-bye. Hollywood, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, unfortunately, we only got about uh, we only got about three minutes here before the uh, theme song hits. Uh, so, uh, uh, Nightmare, you'll be with us next week, right? Uh, possibility. I know I'll be possibly out of town, but we'll see what happens. Because here's the deal: if you can't join us, I do have a fill-in. Oh yeah, sounds good. Okay, and then, Scott, you'll be here with us next week? I plan on it, yes. All right, so uh, next week we actually have an interesting uh, segment. We have uh, a gentleman uh, from Hollywood uh, who Attitude Era Monday Live Monday is teaming up with, uh, who's going to be getting us a whole bunch of uh, more mainstream guests. Uh, as a matter of fact, he, he appeared on our show, and he loved us so much. Unfortunately, when he was on with us, that's when we had the uh, phone issue, if you guys remember that, uh, when the phone kept on cutting out and it kept on disconnecting the show, if you remember that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. uh, he, uh, so he's, uh, he's going to team up with us. And uh, is it possible that we might be getting uh, Coella DeVille as a guest on this show? Wow. And uh, uh, I'll, I'll let you know that this uh, – don't say the guy the name yet, but I can let you know that we're working on uh, – she played Coella de Vila one time, and she also played the first vice president on Air Force One. So think about that. Who could that be? So if that works out, uh, they'll be on with us in November. And also coming in uh, September – uh, Attitude Era Monday Live Monday is teaming up with uh, Texas um, uh, uh, Texas um, uh, Promotions uh, and Cynthia Anderson. Uh, the entire month of September, we are going to be having every single one of her music acts on our show with us. And uh, uh, we'll be talking uh, country music. Uh, we'll be talking uh, uh, rock and roll We'll be talking acting, directing, you name it. Uh, she's from Texas Brew Radio, and uh, they are going to be teaming up with us uh, in the month of September, and uh, we're going to be doing kind of like a cross-promotion thing. And Matthias, if anybody knows about cross-promotion as a wrestler, you want to do that all the time. Absolutely. And, uh, Scott, you know about cross-promotion. Uh, when you're trying to get a film going, mm-hmm. and you get, 
You need that cross promotion. So we got about uh, 90 se- uh, seconds left here. So uh, remember, it's not goodbye. It's just good night. So join us next week and join us every Monday here on 89.1 Kens FM for Attitude Era, Monday Live, Monday Time, every Monday night, 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. Central Standard Time. And we will see you all next week. Take care. Until then. Peace.